Walter Sports Bar is excited to welcome Nationals fans back to the ballpark this spring, located directly across the street from Nationals Park. Walters is the preeminent sports bar in Navy Yard, boasting over 35 televisions, both indoors and out. Walters is a great location to catch the Nats all season long. Walters encourages all fans to check out coronavirus.dc.gov to get up-to-date information on current dining restrictions. Go Nats! The Nats are on the road for a few more days, but they'll be back home this weekend. A long homestand. The weather should be beautiful. No better place to hang out before, during, or after the game than Walters right across the street from the ballpark. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Scherzer sets. He goes. The pitch swung on. Hit in the air. Left center field. Robles going back. Shading his eyes with his glove. And he lost it in the sun. And lands on the warning track up against the wall. And Muncy all the way around comes in to score. McKintree's at second with a fly ball lost in the sun double. And the Dodgers lead one to nothing. And welcome to Nats Chat for Monday, April 12, 2021, along with Nats insider Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. The joy that was the Nationals' 6-5 season opening walk-off win over the Atlanta Braves. Seeming like a distant memory these days. Five consecutive losses now for the Nats since that great win to begin the season. The latest loss, a 3-0 loss at the Los Angeles Dodgers on Sunday to complete a three-game sweep to drop the Nats to 1-5 and five on the year. And to wrap up, one of the more feeble offensive series you'll ever see from the Nationals or really any team, the Nats get shut out twice. The Nats draw two walks the entire series. And while the Nats do generate 30 hits in the series, 27 of the 30 hits end up being singles. Yes, the Nats are depleted, and we'll get into the latest on that COVID-19 situation. But wow, Mark, that was some kind of offensive performance by the Nats over the weekend. I mean, it's singles, singles, and singles. And the problem is, if you're going to try to win games that way, then you need a whole lot of singles. You also need to be able to move runners up. You need to steal bases. You need to have some sacrifice flies and things like that. And you, you point out the walks, kind of an underreported part of this. They're not drawing walks. Now, They've been facing some pitchers for throwing the ball in the zone. I don't feel like they're chasing a lot out of the zone. They've also been very aggressive early in the count. It hasn't worked out. It should get better. But some of these guys who are in there and have been all along have got to start making better contact at the right moments and start elevating the ball more than they have been because you can't win this way. Not in 2021, you can't win this way. 
No, very difficult to do it that way. We will get to the latest on the COVID-19 situation for the Nats. We will get to the pitcher's duel that largely lived up to the hype. I mean, neither guy went beyond six innings, but both Max Scherzer and Clayton Kershaw were quite good in that game on Sunday. As is always the case, we want to hear from you. You can tweet us your thoughts, your anger, your venom. Spew it right at us. We'll take it. We are here for you as the Nationals are in the midst of this five-game losing streak at Nats underscore chat on Twitter. You can email the podcast natschatpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to become a sponsor of the Nats Chat Podcast, email the man behind it. Tim Shovers, again, natschatpodcast at gmail.com. I want to start off, though, with a bigger picture take. And this was one of the things that really worried me about the Nationals coming into the season. And I felt like this was highlighted in so many ways in this series. You have in the Dodgers the deepest team in Major League Baseball. You know, it's not just that the Nats got swept at the Dodgers over the weekend. It's that the Nats got swept at the Dodgers over the weekend, despite the Dodgers being without arguably their two best position players in Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger. You know, for all the crying we can do about the Nats missing some of their key guys, the Nats were not minus their two best position players. Juan Soto and Trey Turner played. Mookie Betts did not play. Cody Bellinger did not play. And yet still the Dodgers did as they did. The Dodgers overwhelm you with their depth. The Nationals, to me, are lacking depth. It was one of my biggest concerns coming into the season. And, you know, whereas the Nats are playing guys like Hernan Perez, the Dodgers are playing guys like Zach McKinstry, and he's knocking the ball all over the place. And I just felt like that as much as anything, I know for me anyway, stood out watching this series. Yeah, how many of us knew who Zach McKinstry was prior to this weekend? We know who he is now, filling in in the outfield for Betts in right field and then today in, in, in left field. Yeah, look, they are... One of the very best, maybe the best organization in baseball for a lot of reasons, and it's not just how much money they spend on the big names. It is the depth they have. There is always another pitcher, always another position player they can call up from their system to help fill in the gaps, and they do it beautifully. They are a model for everyone else for a reason. That's not really who the Nationals are. And I think back to the beginning of the week, Mike Rizzo said, our stars need to step up. He knew that their only chance of of a successful first week is if the big names perform, because he probably knew deep down that the depth guys weren't going to carry the load. That's just not how they're built. And so if you're the Nationals, pitching-wise, it's got to be Scherzer and Strasburg and Corbin. Now, two of those three pitched well. And it's got to be Turner and Soto in particular. And while they have, you know, I'm not going to nitpick on them because they have been pretty good here so far, especially Soto. It's just not enough. You need more from somebody else. They weren't getting it at the right times from Zimmerman, from Castro, from Robles. That's the way they're going to have to win. And you just have to hope that when these reinforcements come here in the next few days, it makes a difference. But that alone is not going to do it. They do need the actual big leaguers who are already on their roster to do more than they've done so far. Yeah, so Davey Martinez revealed to you guys in his pregame Zoom press conference that the hope is that the Nats' four remaining quarantine players, Josh Bell, Kyle Schwarber, Josh Harrison, and John Lester, will be cleared on Monday. Did make it a point to say, though, Lester's going to need even more time to build up his arm. There's no doubt getting Bell, Schwarber, Harrison should help. But I also think, like, we can't look at them and say, okay, they're going to save the day here. And all of a sudden, you know, the Nats are going to become the 2070 Yankees. Like, I don't know. I mean, hopefully those guys do well and the Nationals pick it up offensively and don't get shut out twice in three games. But I also kind of think, like, this could be a problem. I mean, it was a problem last season that beyond Soto and Turner, the offense had real issues. And You know, you watch this series and it's like, you know, they got Ryan Zimmerman as their cleanup batter. You know, all due respect to him, that's not really where he should be anymore. 
in his career. Victor Robles, as well as he had been doing, ends up going three of 13 with three singles and no walks in the series. Like, I think people kind of need to check themselves a little bit like, okay, getting these guys back from the COVID-19 protocols definitely should help. But I'm not sure it's just going to fix everything either. Not alone. No, of course not. Like I said, they're going to need it from some others too. But Josh Bell as your cleanup hitter is probably more what you had in mind than Ryan Zimmerman as your cleanup hitter. Kyle Schwarber as your number five hitter is probably more what you had in mind than Jordy Mercer as your number five hitter. I don't think anybody ever expected that to be the case one week into the season. The other thing I would say is, okay, who'd they get shut out by? A couple guys named Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw. So let's do at least acknowledge the competition they were facing. This was the worst confluence of events that could happen to open a season. Your roster is depleted and you're facing the two best teams in the National League, at least they were last year, and they figure to be again close to it this year, and facing a couple of, of you know, aces. Now, I'm not trying to excuse it all, but I, I do think that is part of the equation there, and that when they're facing a little more of the, you know, run-of-the-mill pitchers, hopefully it turns out to be a little bit different. But yes, they need more from Robles. They need more from Starlin Castro. They need more from their catchers. Here's one thing where the guys coming back could make a difference. The bench is going to be deeper and better now because these guys who are hitting five, six, seven for them are now your options off the bench. And so I think that does have a domino effect and helps maybe play some matchups later in games. You know, Zim's now coming off the bench for a key at bat late in the game. But no, it's still not good enough. And, and I think if more than anything, what we've seen, and we kind of knew this going into the season, their margin for error is kind of thin. They kind of know the way they have to win. And if they don't do it that way, they don't have a whole lot of other ways to win games. And that may be the larger concern here is that if your two, three best guys aren't delivering for you at the plate, do they have the other ones to get it done for you? Yeah, they're not very deep. I mean, that's the worry. I mean, Eric Fetty is starting game one at the Cardinals on Monday. Like, we're going back to this. We're doing this again. Eric Fetty is still starting games for you. Like, that's kind of where they're at. I-, I tell you something else that stood out to me watching the game on Sunday. You know, when you are having to utilize guys who you're not used to utilizing, there can be all sorts of, like, unintended consequences. So, like, what happened very early in the game where Yadiel Hernandez is a starting left fielder and he collides with Trey Turner on that Gavin Lux first pitch pop out and shallow left to begin the bottom of the first inning. Like, I don't know, is that because Yadiel Hernandez has barely played for the Nationals? I tend to think that's part of the reason. And he nearly steam, or he does steamroll Trey Turner. Thankfully, Trey was okay. But like, you know, there are things like that that can happen too, that like that lack of familiarity with each other can lead to something. And thank God Trey was all right. Could you imagine if we're talking about that right now, that Trey Turner got hurt? in game three of this series. No, for, for about uh, 20 seconds there, everyone's heart you know, sank. And yeah, that would be complete disaster for this team if it happened. Thankfully, it wasn't. But it, another one along those lines, Jonathan Lucroy catching Max Scherzer again. And Max did make the point to say that he felt a lot more comfortable this time around than he did on opening day. And he didn't, you know, totally throw Lucroy under the bus and say that the home runs were his fault on opening day. But he kind of said something to the effect of, now that he knows what my patterns are a little bit better. And I know just pitch the game that I want to pitch and don't necessarily just go off of the way that he's calling it. That was a little bit of a subtle thing like, okay, hey, hang on a second, Jonathan. I'm I'm Max Scherzer. I'm calling the shots here. You're going to listen to how I want to pitch, not the other way around. And maybe that wasn't the case on opening day. Alex Avila is back. We saw Jan Gomes Saturday night. Avila has caught Max before. Were you surprised that Avila didn't get the start on Sunday? Yeah, I was. Uh, I figured, I just kind of assumed that was going to happen, but I think it may have been an offensive thing, the matchup with Kershaw, that they wanted the right-handed bat of Lucroy in there, and that didn't really make much difference at all in the end. 
And not that Lucar's catching cost them the game, because that, that wasn't, again, the issue. It was a total lack of offense for them. I was surprised, and, and I'm really curious to see how much longer they try to go with the three catchers thing. It doesn't seem like it's something that you're going to have long term. I suppose if some of the COVID players aren't activated Monday, you could keep them a little bit longer. But if they are all back, I don't see how you find room to keep a third catcher. I don't. I just don't think it's justified at this point. Are you interested in buying or selling your home? Support for Nats Chat comes from Rachel Levy of Compass Real Estate. By focusing on the personal parts of the real estate process and using technology to simplify the rest, Rachel seamlessly guides her clients through their experience. Rachel uses her deep local knowledge and exceptional customer service to advocate for her clients all across D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. To learn more, follow her on Instagram at Real Estate Rachel. Hey, Nats Chat listeners, this is Tim Shovers, producer of the podcast, here to tell you about FanDuel. I am so excited that baseball is back. There's nothing like watching a game with great weather, a cold drink, and a little action on FanDuel Sportsbook. We had ridiculously great weather this weekend here in D.C. on Sunday. Hopefully we get that weather next weekend. If you've never been on baseball before, now is the perfect time to give it a shot. FanDuel is letting new users swing for the fences risk-free. You'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. And once you have an account, you can get up to $25 back each day if your same-game parlay bet falls one leg short. This way, you can combine multiple baseball bets for an even bigger win all season long. I created my account. Just looking at all the options, just go on, make an account. There are so many. It's an infinite amount of baseball bets you can make every single day. It's a sports fan's dream. There is a reason. FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app is simple to use. They've got great odds on all different betting markets, unique fun bet types like same game parlay, and always on promotions to let you get more action out of every game day. And when you win, FanDuel will pay your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code CHAT to get in on the action. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code CHAT. 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, or West Virginia. First on my real money wager, only for risk-free bet. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site. Credit that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 109 with it, Indiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 100-GAMBLER, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia, Tennessee, 1-800-889-9789, or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
3-2 coming to Taylor. Swing and a miss on a changeup. He struck him out. So Max fans 2 and a 1-2-3 inning. He has five strikeouts on the board. Max Zerzer, he was quite good on Sunday. We talked on Sunday's podcast, which we taped late Saturday night off that loss, about the importance of Game 3. And, you know, you need Max to be more Max-like instead of giving up four homers like he did in the uh, the season opener. And Max was good. One run in six innings, five strikeouts, gave up just three hits, two doubles and a single one walk through 90 pitches. And the one run he gave up, I mean, it really was unfortunate. It comes in the bottom of the second and really largely thanks to bad luck. I mean, he, you know, it was a hard hit ball that wound up being the RBI double, but Max gives up a leadoff single to Max Muncy. And then that two out full count RBI double to Zach McKinstry. There's that name. Deep fly ball that Victor Robles loses in the sun. The sun monster gets to Robles. The ball falls at the base of the wall. And I mean, yeah, that was not like a cheapy hit, but I mean, that's a play clearly that Robles should have made, loses the ball in the sun, and you end up giving up a run there. Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like maybe it's just because I watched the Nationals more than anybody else, but I just feel like these guys lose more balls in the sun at critical moments than anybody. Does, I'm Jason Worth used to do it. Bryce Harper used to do it. Now Robles did it. I don't know. Maybe maybe it happens to everyone. It's just because, you know, we watch them every day that we we notice these things. But you know, I asked Davey, because he's a former outfielder himself, is there a technique to dealing with a ball in the sun? And he said there actually is. There are things you can do to try to position yourself as best as you can or, you know, almost wait for it to come out of the sun before you then try to pick up on it. And, you know, it, it was clear. I mean, very early in that on that play that Robles had no idea where it was. And again, you know, I'm not going to 100% fault a guy when a ball gets lost in the sun. What are you supposed to do? But there are some techniques to try to combat it. You just hope it doesn't happen at a critical moment. And and the problem is, for any other team, any other situation that happens in the second inning, it's one nothing. You're thinking, all right, you know, shake it off, go get them. But for this team right now, that one run felt like an awful lot. Yeah, like what you said earlier, their margin for error is razor thin. So when something flukish like that happens, it's not just, you know, you shrug it off and you move on. It's like, oh my God, we're down a run. You know, now what? You know, the insurmountable one nothing deficit, you know, then that's, it, it, it's not a good spot to be in right now. You need stellar defense and you didn't get it in that spot. And, you know, ironically enough from the guy who at least at his best is clearly your best defensive player. With Max Scherzer, though, I, I know you you tweeted about this. The pitches that he had working on Sunday, uh, what'd you make of that part of his game? Yeah, I mean, really good. Everything was good, um, but especially his uh, cutter and slider, which sort of look the same. They're a little bit different. The cutter's going to move a little harder, move a little more horizontally. The slider's going to be a few miles an hour less and break downward a little bit more. But at one point, it was 15 out of the 17 sliders and cutters that he had thrown were for strikes. Now, that's phenomenal that he did that. I also thought, and, and you could see it right in the first inning, and boy, how many people were breathing a sigh of relief when he retired the side on seven pitches in the bottom of the first, given his first inning woes before. He just looked more relaxed out there. You know, the velocity on the fastball wasn't necessarily super high. It was 92 to 94, but he was in complete control. It seemed like all his body parts were in sync. There was nothing going on that looked wrong with him. And that set the tone for the entire afternoon. You know, again, to look at bright sides of all this, I thought Scherzer looked fantastic. And yes, he was pulled after six innings, 90 pitches. That's not going to be that way for long. You're going to see him build up next time out and the time after that. He'll be going seven or even eight innings on a day like that. And maybe that helps give him a better chance of winning. But that was super encouraging to me. What, what Scherzer and Strasburg have now done their, each of their last outings, as we said, if you're going to win, it's going to be behind your aces in large part. They did just about everything you could do to win a game. 
Yeah, and you could throw Joe Ross into the mix there with how he did in that game one against the Dodgers on Friday. Scherzer in a perfect fourth inning, striking out Max Muncy on five pitches for the second out, then striking out Chris Taylor on seven pitches for the third out. Scherzer had it going on. Like Mark said, does get pulled after six innings, after 90 pitches, and into the game comes Tanner Rainey. And, you know, right now there's a whole lot of focus on the Nationals' offense and on the COVID-19 situation. But how about the situation now with Tanner Rainey profiling as, you know, this young flamethrowing reliever who maybe ends up being your best reliever in the 2021 season, right? Had such a good, encouraging 2020. He suffers that injury in spring training, that muscle strain near the right collarbone, doesn't make his exhibition debut until March 21st. His first appearance of this 2021 season comes in that uh, doubleheader last Wednesday against Atlanta, that doubleheader sweep game two. Rainey gives up two runs in the seventh to break the scoreless tie, including that two-out full count pinch two-run homer to Pablo Sandoval. And then in this game on Sunday at the Dodgers, Tanner Rainey in appearance number two, a two-out two-run homer to Zach McKinstry. There's that name again. The 2-1 from Rainey is cracked to deep right center field. Soto chasing this one toward the gap. Not going to get there, and it's gone. Over the 375 mark, a two-run homer just clears to right center in the bottom of the seventh for a 3 nothing Dodgers lead. And I don't know about you, but like when McKinstry hit that homer, 3 nothing felt like 12 nothing. You were like, all right, this is over. You just did not have any faith that the Nats would rally and to, you know, come back and win. But Rainey, man, this is not the way it's supposed to be with this guy. Two appearances, two big bombs that he's given up. Yeah, and I mean, if there's one guy in the Dodgers lineup you don't want to beat you, it is Zach McKinstry. Everybody knows that one. Yeah. You're right. It's disappointing. Again, I think it does fall into that. It's still early from a guy who didn't get a full spring the way they wanted him to. Velocity's not all the way back yet. The home run came on a 94-mile-an-hour fastball. He should be 97, 98, maybe even more than that. It's not there yet. The only way it's going to get there is if he keeps pitching, and so they're going to have to put him out there you know, they had various days off. They're, they're now in a stretch where they're playing basically every day. Maybe that'll be good for a lot of them in the bullpen to start developing a routine where you know they're basically pitching every other day, maybe back-to-back days at times. You know, Brad Hand got into the game for the first time. We haven't seen a whole lot of Daniel Hudson yet. Like you said, Rainey only twice. You know, yeah, they need to be ahead or tied to use your best relievers, but maybe they can start getting a little bit more of a pattern for all of them and help get guys into uh, into more of a rhythm. So far for Rainey, not good. But, you know, again, I'm, I'm going to give it a little more time. I want to see once he gets throwing more and has more workload, does the velocity go up and does he look a little sharper? Yeah, no wonder Suero on Sunday. No, and didn't warm up as far as we know. So the first time, first time this year, zero for Wander Suero. On the seventh day, he rested, thank God. Uh, Wander Suero not made to pitch finally. But yes, Brad Hand, uh, that's another kind of, if you're looking for positives, that was one. Brad Hand looked quite good. On Sunday, perfect eighth inning, uh, struck out Corey Seager on five pitches for the third out. You know, it's interesting you bring up Hudson. I was thinking of that the other day. I don't think it says much good about their faith in Hudson that we've seen Hudson as infrequently as we have so far. You know, we know Hudson did not have a good 2020. He did not have a good exhibition season. I don't get the sense that they're feeling it right now with Daniel Hudson. Um, it could be. I think it also may be some of the situations they were in. I mean, Saturday night, they were well behind most of the night, so they kind of threw the the B bullpen guys didn't use him Friday, probably sa- probably because they've been saving him to close until hand was available. So that may have something to do with it. It's a little odd. You know, maybe there's a little hesitation there. Let's see, you know, on Monday and Tuesday in St. Louis, if they're in a position late in the game where it is tied or they're up a run or two, let's see who they go to. We're going to start to get in a sense now of who he actually trusts. I think Hudson's going to be in that mix. I, I think hand is probably 
his ninth inning guy unless there are big lefties up in the eighth inning. But if not, if Hand is pitching the ninth, I think we're probably going to see Hudson in the eighth, especially as Rainey is not all the way there yet. I think at the moment it would be Hudson over Rainey. So if Hand is the number one reliever, you think Hudson's the number two? Like in Davey's mind, his bullpen hierarchy, you still think he's got Hudson number two? I think as of today, yes. If Rainey is more in full form that he should be, I th- maybe that flip-flops there and he and he gets to Rainey. But I do think Davey still trusts Hudson. I'm not saying that that's necessarily the right call. I'm not, not saying that Hudson is going to be great. But what he did for him in 2019 as a veteran with more of a track record and a guy who had a healthy spring and got the workload that he needed, I think right now he probably would be number two on Davey's depth chart. All right, so one in five, six games into the season. Panic, we shall not, but note the state of things, we shall. You got three games coming up at the St. Louis Cardinals, Monday night, Tuesday night, and then Wednesday afternoon. And then you come home and hopefully can kind of just, you know, get your footing. You know, hopefully everyone's back by then. You'll have a four-game series against Arizona, followed by three games against St. Louis. But with the one in five start headed to the Cardinals, do you view this as, hey, you got to take minimum two out of three, or are we not there yet at saying you got to do this or that in any given series? Probably not. I mean, yeah, it would be nice to win two out of three and actually win a series here, but uh, I just don't know if they can fully say anything less than that's a disappointment. They just got to need to win some games. They need to start scoring some runs, <laughs> obviously. So let's see if Bell and Schwarber and Harrison are in the lineup on Monday, which I do think is possible. Then I think we can start holding them to a little different standard. They're facing John Gant on Monday. That's actually probably their best chance in the series with Flaherty and then Wainwright the rest of the series. So I would think if there's a night for the offense to break out, Monday's their best hope for it, although they have hit both Flaherty and Wainwright well in the past. But I guess what I would say is it boils down to this. Yeah, two out of three would be nice, but more than anything, they need to play some good baseball. And maybe a little, if they're going to lose, you know, lose a game where you do score some runs or don't lose because of a defensive mistake, a base running mistake, a late bullpen home run. You know, if you get to the end of the night and you say, okay, we played a really good game. We just lost by a run or two. Okay, fine. Everything's going to be okay in the long term. It's, you don't want to see these same patterns repeating themselves, especially once they have a full roster together. That's where you start to get more concerned. So yeah, you, obviously you have to win at least one. You'd like to win two. But I'm looking more for how do they look as a team? How do they play, especially if the roster is essentially at full strength, aside from maybe John Lester? Yeah, I mean, you'd like to avoid losing a ball in the sun. You'd like to avoid, you know, something, I mean, not to pick on Victor Robles, but, you know, something like him getting thrown out, trying to steal second base in that game one loss at the Dodgers, like stuff like that. You know, they, they got to clean. It's the little things, as Davey likes to say, uh, that they need to clean up as well. One more thing on the offense. So Schwerber and Bell, obviously, if they are as they have been previously, could really help this lineup. Each guy, though, did struggle quite a bit in 2020. Do the Nats feel confident that the Bell and Schwerber we saw last season will not be the Bell and Schwerber that we'll see this season? As confident as they can be. The evidence would be that they both look good this spring, especially Bell, who, you know, Ryan Zimmerman was the only hitter in, in baseball who had a better spring than Josh Bell. And Schwarber was pretty good too. So I think that's the evidence on their side. They like the changes they've made working with Kevin Long. In Schwarber's case, squatting down more with his stance instead of being so upright like he was the last few years, going back to a stance he had when he was in college. And Bell, I thought it was really interesting. He said this spring that he feels so much less pressure on him now than he did with Pittsburgh. And the reason was he said when he looks at who all the other guys are in this lineup, And he realizes, okay, it's not all on me. (laughs) I've got Soto. I've got Turner. I've got Robles. I've got Schwarber. I've got Zimmerman. 
he just feels like he can be one of the guys now and not necessarily the one who has to deliver. Now, we say all that, and what have we been talking about this entire episode? Boy, they really need Josh Bell in the middle of the lineup to finally start scoring runs. So, you know, maybe he will feel a little bit of the pressure on day one. But he seemed to be in a pretty good place mentally. The only thing I'd worry about, both of those guys have traditionally been pretty streaky hitters. When they're on, they're really on. When they're not, they're really off. And what did this layoff do? They were working out on their own at home, swinging off a tee, maybe in the backyard a little bit. There was not a lot they could do. And they're probably not going to get into any kind of game situation before they're thrown into the fire. So that would be a little bit of a concern. Do they lose whatever momentum they had at the end of spring training? But I just don't think the team can afford to uh, to wait any longer. Once they're eligible, they need to be in there. No doubt. And Bell did have a monster 2019 for the Pirates. So you've got that to lean on in terms of optimism. And you just hope, you know, we've talked about this, but defensively, each guy is a minus defender. Bell is not good at first base. Schwarber has not been good in left field. So you just hope that the Nationals are able to do well enough defensively with those guys in the lineup and that what those guys bring as batters overseeds, overrides whatever deficiencies they may bring to the table defensively. Fetty Strasburg-Ross will be your three national starting pitchers at the Cardinals over these next three games. Again, hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email us NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. All Nationals radio highlights on the Nats Chat Podcast are brought to us by 106.7 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.